Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Card Authority. Sorry, we had a seem to be a global outage of technical issues right as we tried to end yeah, with our giveaways. Our broadcast software. Right? We were ending another stream and it just wouldn't end, and then the people sent our studios down. Yeah, but we are back, ladies and gentlemen. That was a panicky moment where we still had one stream going on one platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, I don't know what we're going to do here. But the good news is we are back. It's working yep. again. Hopefully there's no issues with the software. If there is, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But on. most importantly, AJ, welcome to you and yes. welcome to everyone who is joining us live here through Facebook and YouTube. G'day, <sighs> Mr. Stevens. Yes. Hello, Kevin hi. Woodford. The Jacks, Robert and Mason, we hope Mr. you're Buchanan. well. Mr. Buchanan, welcome on board to you. Glenn McInerney, lots of people talking about Tom Green. I don't know why. He's why? no What's Jack Steele. Tom Green? Uh, I, I will say, and we're completely going off script straight away, yeah. I remember talking to Wade about this, that he could arguably be one of the best players in the comp. If he didn't play GWS. Within 12 months. No, he's a gun. Absolute gun. Who's a gun? G'day, Bradley. G'day, Crispy. G'day, Rod. Uh, well, there you go, Rodney. I like that. Yeah. That's Just a good observation. Crispy. Yep. All right. So we thought it was a good opportunity to um, go live tonight. Obviously, we've been tied up for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Doing prestige stuff and school holidays. and Yeah, the school holidays kids. certainly threw a spanner in, in the works. But, a little um, bit, yes. We are back. We are we are officially back on air again. And time for a mid-year review. Mid, just in time for the mid-year yep. review, I would say. So um, just so uh, you, you guys know, and um, certainly we can see on the stream already a few new people tuning in. Welcome. welcome, welcome on board. This is not a structured podcast. We like to engage with you guys in the commentary. If people have questions, observations, statements, throw it out there. We won't be able to get to absolutely everything, but we'd love to discuss as much as what you guys want to talk about as well. Great feedback here from Lisa Price. Jenks didn't get the call up on 3OW, the Zabo with Tom Elliott. Oh, no. What was happening? What, what was going on with Tom this oh, afternoon? Jenks. To be honest with you, I literally, I had to leave here for an hour and a half at 5.45. I got back in the door here at, what was it, 7.28. Yep. We're straight onto the live stream on Goodbye. Thanks, getting ready to rob a bank. That's good. There you go, Brooksy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. A lot of people talk about, say, St Kilda have a lot of fair weather supporters. Well, I'm not one of them. I'm here supporting my team, sporting the uh, the Saints beanie, of course. Yep. After losing games. Yeah, so, very good. Very good. So, yeah. Oh, Cliches. There you go, Marty. Grayson was on, apparently. Fantastic. I don't know how I missed it. We'll... Uh... We're going to see if we can get a podcast of that somewhere. Yeah. But um, yeah, look, it's been a really fun and exciting first six months of 2021. Obviously, we've gone through the motions of getting 40 stars. And then, of course, all cliches. Yes, Marty, we probably will touch on. There'll be a few cliches tonight. You know, that's why you tune in. Um, so the game, Mason. Um, so it's obviously we've gone through footy stars and we've gone prestige. And we're going to talk about some data points in a second with prestige. But... We are now moving into the back end of the year, which means serious cards time. Yeah. We're probably getting, I'd say, closer to closer rather than further away. Yeah. Um, to series two. Yeah. Which normally sort of comes around sort of start of August. Yeah. So 
I think it's fair to say that usually during footy stars and traditionally the last couple of years during prestige, a lot of new people make their way into the AFL collecting scene. Yep. Um, they are people that either don't even come from having collected other cards or anything in the last few years, or they're people that are shifting across from other sports as well sure. with AFL coming, coming into season and everything. Um, it's fair to say that this year has been no different to the last couple of years. There's been a huge influx of new people and you and I are fortunate enough to engage with them across the variety of, of the network that, that we have within RGV and whether that's through community stuff like Good Vibes or through the break side of things or through the shop and what whatnot. Um, certainly, we see a lot of the new collectors on, I would say, at least once or twice a week at a store level. Yep. And uh, a lot of the new guys have gone super hard this year, especially on footy stars and prestige. So exactly as AJ just said, the thing to realise is it's the second half of the year, yep. which is the hobby releases. It feels like it's already been a massive, massive year for cards, probably because of the scale, especially of footy stars, which started it off, and then the, yep. quick, the quick transition into prestige. Yep. Um, before we start to talk about what we think is coming up or what the expectation should be for the remainder of the year, let's uh, let's go for a bit of a well, rewind. A rewind well, let's have a look at, have a look you know, at, at back at the start around. of... Uh, no, it's actually nice and warm here, finally, Flam, once we <laughs> shut all the doors. Yeah. Thank you for your concern. Um, look, obviously, Footy Stars was where we kicked off again this year. Yeah. And everyone, well and truly, were able to sink their teeth into Footy Stars. Yeah. Look, we've spoken, you know to a great extent that perhaps there were a couple of things that weren't executed great by select. They probably expanded a little bit too much yeah. for things, which really made it harder for teams that collectors. Well, and I certainly agree with the general consensus out there that it's, it's, it was a difficult set to collect. I, I still haven't completed mine as a lot of people know, yep. simply because there were so numbered, so many numbered subsets in this release, which made it more difficult. I think timing-wise, that's worked right in with a bit of a shift and an adjustment in yep. collecting styles, a lot of player collecting and whatnot going on. But at the same time, I think Prestige has also reinforced that the departure of team set collecting isn't as significant as what it may have seemed throughout Absolutely. what was being publicised or what was being really put out there during Footy Stars. <laughs> it's been it's been pretty clear that team collecting is still what what's underpinning afl cards at the moment absolutely and this one's for marty davis obviously we've absolutely seen a perfect example of it's a marathon not a sprint yeah um you know you don't have to get all the footy stars straight away you don't have to get prestige all the way and we've certainly noticed with some buying habits which we'll talk about in a sec that that has been really prevalent for a yeah. lot of people in the community more so with you know also with us yeah you know we haven't rushed to go and do prestige and sorry footy stars and to be honest i don't think i've completed prestige yeah. either Jill's really interesting i think cards are having a real psychological effect now i feel like and again this is a marty davis cliche for you right here there is perceived pressure there is perceived pressure yep. you've got to get it done Yep. I've got to get my cards. Promo. If I don't get Promo, my cards, bro. I'm angry, I'm anxious. There is perceived pressure around the need to get cards now. Yep. And that we saw that start with footy stars. And that is a direct result of how many people there are actually in the card community now yep. and the competitive nature of acquiring the sets. Sure. The days Hold of... Hold that question, the, Wade. We'll come back the, to it in a second. I think those, those days of... Uh, you know, of the mindset of, cool, I will just get my cards and it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint and all that sort of stuff. Yep. 
it's quicker, certainly quicker, changing quicker. and it's changing because of the perceived pressure not around the football but around the football cards oh, yeah. there, we go. From you. there we go thank you thank um you. so what we've certainly noticed and you know obviously we moved on from footy stars into prestige which everyone knows over the last couple of years i'm very fond of prestige it's a parallel um release of footy stars obviously you guys all know this yeah um but i even said i think to you privately that I feel like Prestige has probably run its race now. Three years later, um, it's it's probably time for something new in that slot next year. I'm yeah. sure they will probably keep Footy Stars or a Series 1, but I would look that they would probably do something different next year for Prestige. Yeah, look, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we can't push any of the card publishers to really do anything. But what we are here to do is talk about the public discourse sure. and have the conversations on behalf of the community yep. and show all different sides of that coin. And then, hope, you know, in the hope that the card companies do engage with the community and see what people are saying. I think we've seen that both with Team Coach and Select over the last couple of years. They've really tuned into what's taking place on social media. They're utilising the technological opportunities. Well, they're in the groups. They watch the shows. They watch the shows. They see exactly what's going on. Yep. And I think firsthand, whether the companies will admit it or not, we've seen change take place, sure. which is in line with what the collectors want and in line with what the community is saying and what those community needs are. And um, I, I would like to think that a lot of what we talk about is based on consensus as well yep. and what not everyone thinks or what not the way everyone feels and not everyone's opinion, but at least a majority sort of opinion and a broad opinion. And therefore, when we talk about things like you and I both agree, we think Prestige has run its course. Yep. Will Prestige be here next year? Probably. Probably. But And I won't be upset. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that we speak probably for a lot of collectors and a lot of people when we say, it might, it may have lost its gloss. Sure. The gloss has started to wear off. We need a shiny new thing again. We, we, we yearn for, for something something new, I suppose, next year. Absolutely. With that being said, what an amazing product. And make no mistake, as we've always talked about, Prestige was never designed as the Series 2 hobby release. Traditional form for AFL has always been two releases per year up until the last couple of years. Yep. And it went from, you had a footy stars, which was your mainstream release, as most people know, which goes out to the mass market. It's got a mass distribution model. It goes far and wide all over the place. It has a $3 RRP. It's accessible for children. That's how they bring children into the AFL. It's how they bring children into trading cards yep. and whatnot. And then there would be the you know your series two product, your hobby release, the equivalent of an optimum, a dominance, a legacy, a certified, which is where you would find your signature cards, your redemption cards, your more high-end product. It would be a limited shorter print product, and it would only be available through hobby stores or or certain aspects, and obviously, of course, direct through the card companies now as well. The introduction of Prestige really flipped the model on its head because it took the baseline of what was the Footy Stars set and it created an opportunity at a mass market price point, so a cheaper price point, to be able to then chase down hobby style cards and shorter print and, cards. And Pete also made a really good point there that for me, this is Pete's words, for me, Prestige has always been the most fun. Because it's cheap as well. It's cheap, cheap to you buy. Open, basically, every packet has a numbered card. It's, it's Yeah, and I think part of that price. is because it's at such a low price point relative to what you're getting out of it, you're not, there's no, you're not anxious. Yep. I'm like, 
that you have to hit the biggest case hits or the biggest series hits in order to feel like you've done okay out of it. It's a situation where, you know, what, what's the RRP now? Six bucks a packet, yep. six or seven dollars a packet. It works out to be the RRP, $155 a box this year, $140 last year, $140 yep. the year before. It's a super accessible, very affordable, low cost barrier to entry product. Yep. And as a result of that, people were able to have a lot of fun with it. I loved this year, and I know some people do disagree with this, the numbered card in every packet situation. Fantastic. As much as people want to say, well, who wants a card numbered to 750? Who wants numbered milestones? What it did was change the enjoyment of busting packets and boxes. There were no more dead packets. packets and boxes were yep. available to everyone. It was accessible first up. Yep. If you missed out, you missed out, but you had every opportunity to get it. But the general, you know, the general theme of feedback I was getting definitely at a store level and then obviously through the internet as well and speaking with people is people loved opening it because every packet had a potential chase card. Well, a card number to 750, cool, might be a good player, might be a good team, yep. could be a low number, could be a jumper number. And as we know, in AFL cards, numbering is is half for a lot of people that's a big part of the chase and a big part of the fun yep. so i think it's been a fantastic release this year i love how it moved to a numbered card every packet i like how they retain game breakers and push them to numbered cards to create more of a chase and more excitement for yep. people who do various forms of set collecting especially number-based collecting and i think it was a huge winner the market has received it in many different ways, and I think there's a few different reasons for that. There's been a lot of talk throughout, especially the early stages of the release of Prestige, where people felt the prices were not hitting the same levels as their counterparts last year in the same release. And even right now, we're still seeing a bit of that going on. I think we have a few ideas as to why that's happening. Yep. And those ideas, they're not ideas, they're reasons that, from what we can tell, are supported by the data points as well. Sure. The point here, let me just interrupt you. Saying, sure. Oren Flam Dunk has made a mention, player selection at select is a mystery. Um, I guess probably just something to touch on that very quickly is that Prestige is a parallel version of Footy Stars. Correct. So the players that were picked I'm in Footy Stars are then represented in Prestige. Yeah. So once they've made a decision on a player, back in, I guess, September, October, the year before. Yeah. That's running all the way through yeah. the two releases. And, and people need to be mindful. And, they don't make the decision. It, it's almost like they're forced into decision-making based on what AFL media provides to them in no, terms I don't of think photog right. photography as well. No, I don't think because that's right. That's, but that's the thing with players. They don't have players in new uniforms when they've changed teams because oh, all the photographs sure. come from the previous season. I, I, that, that's different. And they have to go from the stats and the details of the previous season because of how far in advance they're making Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take that on board. One thing I thought was interesting, though, there was a huge outcry, and ironically, there was a huge threat on Good Vibes just before Prestige, that everyone was saying that they wanted non-A-grade players, they wanted to see a different diversity in the top cards and the big cards. Yeah. And then by everyone's surprise, they release effectively... A backline set. A backline set, yeah. which is the main chase card yeah. in, every, in, in Prestige. Yeah. So there was an outcry that there wasn't... You know the star people, players people didn't want the stars again because it was becoming too taxing yep so in the end but they did, did it but did they they in the end they gave people what they asked or people wanted reprieve yeah people wanted financial reprieve on high value chase cards people ultimately got it i'm pretty sure i'm not going to be the only one that's going to say this but by the time i'm done with my footy stars set my footy stars set probably will end up costing the same as my prestige set 
but that's because St Kilda doesn't have the Sig Chase or anything. But sure. it had the Jack Steele, the, the St Kilda had the signature yep. in Footy Stars. And what seems to have happened is different teams were represented in prestige in terms of the signatures. So as a result, the people that got heavily taxed and were financially fatigued out of Footy Stars yep. get a bit of reprieve for for prestige and it switches over to the other collectors and the other teams and that's the other bit of irony as well from footy stars is there was outcry that was signatures it took a little while for the redemptions to come through i don't think there is anyone on the streamer in the community that can't say that those signatures from footy stars don't look amazing yeah they are one of the best looking cards oh, I, I, I think but look, obviously, I don't have any jewel sticks because there's nothing in Kilda. But I seriously, that Footy Stars signature, the Virtuoso signatures, I don't know about all the other ones, but the Jack Steel one, and I think the St Kilda guys have spoken about it at length, is one of the best looking signature cards of yep. all time. And absolutely, in terms of modern cards for the last two or three years, yeah, it's a great card. All they of them are, look, they, Sam Walsh, Bailey Smith, they look unreal. They look amazing. The positioning of the sig and everything, I think they look really yep. fantastic. So, AJ, do you want to touch a bit on the pricing situation? Why, you know, volume of product, how it's been opened, how it's consumed? Yeah, so one of the, one of the sort of big stuff. things that we've noticed this year is, and I'll go out on a little bit of a limb here, and we look, we've got some data to back it up, obviously, that we, we crunched through here. I will go out as far as say, excluding footy stars, prestige this year, there has never been a release in Select's history Bar supremacy, probably that hasn't had has had so much of it open so quickly, so quickly. So call it a five, six, two month period, five, six weeks, two month period. Yeah, I would go as far to say that it's very, very close to ninety percent of the product is open. Yeah, which we well, have yeah. never seen before. Yeah, not not at, not at this point in time. Like so we're we about eight weeks after release now. Uh, what are we mid July? It's, it was it May? I think from memory. So it's, it's like all, two it's and a half months. Yeah, okay. So we're, we're a couple of months into it. So I think it, it was it's... there was a there was a combination of select improving their distribution model so that SEC general public can buy boxes and people would get it quickly. Stores had it weeks for a, it. A, yeah. a lot of the the biggest stores and the the more established retail outlets yeah all got stock you know we had packets for sale for weeks yeah two or three weeks, weeks yeah. you know what i mean yeah so i think there was so much accessibility with the product that we've never seen like breakers with you know there's so many more breakers there's so, so many, many more, more breakers who are doing a lot more volume as yeah. well at a much faster yeah. pace i remember when i first sort of got into the it amount of people cards, were breaking on the weekend yeah. now it's every I, night i think you've also got a situation where the mindset a lot of people went into the release saying i'm not buying early because i may have been stung in the past buying really early and overpaying but what basically happened was there was a level of overcompensation yep. where, a, where almost a majority of people didn't want to buy early so we, we, we've seen a lot of that basically take place here and as a result there was a lot of commentary and people were absolutely right about it that the cards and especially the box hits and the case hits, but more the box hits your greens and your classifieds your cards number to 60 yep. didn't open up at the prices and still haven't achieved for the most part, some of them have, but for the most part, haven't achieved the equivalent pricing to 2021 and 2020 prestige. Sure. And I and as we always say, and we've said this multiple times, fast forward 12 months, 
You won't find any of it. No, but yeah. people are going to be so annoyed that they didn't buy black classifieds, they didn't buy yeah. greens, yeah, and they're going to say, "Well, shit, they were thirty dollars at the time, or fifty dollars. Why didn't I buy them?" Yeah, instead of paying a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars, which is where it's yeah. going to land. And that's the thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, we, we can talk about this over and over again. We're very fortunate that we see it and we breathe it and we live it every day through the business side of what we do. You know, it's 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 no secret we have a pretty large scale eBay these days. Can I can I just touch on something? Yeah, we've yeah. got a lot of inventory and we see what's going on and we'll yeah, talk and, and I want you to talk about with them about but, footy. But Wade's just made the comment less people team master set collecting. Wait, we'd probably argue that that's not the case. Yeah. Yes, there is definitely been some master set collectors or team master set collectors that have stopped. But the amount of new people Correct. that have come in that are now doing it's team more master than, sets it, it more than offsets it. well and truly offsets it. So yes, there's some people that you'll hear whinging or you know throwing hanging up the cards or the pack, shall we say, on Facebook. But really, the Facebook community is so small, and I know you're just about to yeah. touch on that. That we've noticed, especially via our eBay store, that there has been a massive, massive rush on buying Footy Stars cards from us yeah. over the last month. Yeah. It's almost as though people sort of opened their boxes of prestige and then went back to start filling sets of Footy Stars. And now, literally in the last week, we've noticed that rush again on prestige. Well, you, look, you're more across the financials on our eBay store with obviously the other guys that work with us at, at RGB Collectibles. Is it fair to say in the last 10 days, we've sold both volume and value wise as much prestige as the previous four weeks have taken place in the last 10 days or so uh, or thereabouts yeah that that's probably sounds about right it was very it was very there were weeks yeah. there where all we were selling was footy stuff yeah so just a quick disclaimer yeah. for anyone who's jumping on ebay right now and looking at the rgv oz completed listings not much is going to come up in there because of the way we set up our listings on eBay. When we sell an item, 90% of the time it won't show up because we do our listings based on quantity listings as opposed to singular listings. So it's more like our listings don't actually disappear. They just go down to zero quantity. So, so just something to be aware of. But we can tell you, like, without making our very private information public, the the sales at the moment taking place on prestige are seeing a huge uptick and what was really interesting is we saw the same thing happen with footy stars and i think we talked about it on the last episode yep. it wasn't for a couple of months into the release that all of a sudden we see prices start to surge up and demand start to surge yep. up to the extent that we were talking as recently as a couple of weeks ago do we actually need to break down more footy stars stock because we've been cleaned out of singles on ebay yep. now absolutely um, so that starts to lend to the notion delayed buying. People yep. aren't buying early anymore. You're still getting a few, but most people are trying to sit back and then something triggers them and they start to move on it. Well, this might be a good little segue to um, Andrew's or Andrew Peck's made a comment here. The price of anything to do with COVID lockdown and people not spending money on entertainment. And Daniel Davis put a post up just after it as well. Cost of living has really affected a lot of people from my experience. I think there's two aspects of that. There is obviously COVID last year, people were sitting around, they were getting stimulus from the government, we were stuck at home, they were able to do more things with cards. Sure. Now, cost of living and inflation is obviously very prevalent for a lot of people. Yep. But most people have some form of 
entertainment budget. And whether it's actually structured yep. or it's subconscious, they're still doing things that make them happy. Cost, so, of, cost of living <laughs> certainly gone up. We're seeing the inflationary stuff going on. At the same time, people are earning more money than they ever have before. Yep. Unemployment rate, as per the news and the details today, is at a 43-year low. Sure. So more people have jobs and right now than they've ever had in the past. And the jobs went up 88,000 jobs in the month of June. New jobs were picked up in the month of June. And they're saying it's now at a parity that for every vacancy there is, there's also a, there's a person that can fit that job that just actually doesn't want it. So that's an interesting one. Peck, on the flip side, when we want to talk about the entertainment, some people on the stream would know a lot wouldn't. My background is in music and entertainment. COVID stopped my industry that I would that, that I've been involved in for the last two decades and really was one of the key motivating factors that gave me the time to pursue trading cards more and a lot, you know a, a little bit of time on RGV and card authority and all these things exist. Now the music industry and we're gonna I'm gonna diverge a little bit from the discussion but I think it's really important to, talk, to sure. point this out to people. The music and entertainment industry was arguably the first one, and not arguably, it was the first industry to go down. It went from 100% operational capacity and 100% occupancy at live music events after a bump a few years to zero overnight. The entire industry stopped overnight and it stayed shut down in one way or shape or form for essentially two years domestically. The expectation from business operators in the music and entertainment industry, and especially the live contemporary music scene, such as myself, had the expectation that once COVID was over and restrictions were over, there will be a huge pent up demand to go to live music events. And we could put on infinite concerts from infinite artists based going from club and pub level up to arena and stadium scale and everything would sell out would sell out instantly and we would get huge turnout rates that turn up rates to events to put things into perspective there's normally pre-covid there was a three percent no-show rate so for every hundred tickets you sold and someone had actually purchased three of those people wouldn't turn up for one reason or another what those reasons are who, who knows what I can tell you guys, and this is not mutually exclusive to music and entertainment, it carries through into sport as well. And you will all notice it when you've been going to the football. I was going to bring Your team's membership numbers are probably the highest they've ever been in the history of the club. The physical game day attendance would be the lowest that's been at the lowest point. And that's what's taken place in music and entertainment. And I'll, the and events I'll... are selling to like 70% capacity. Yep. And the indicator and what this is showing is what COVID's actually done. Forget about people being sitting at home and not spending on entertainment, having money, all money, no money, all these sorts of things. The biggest thing that COVID has done has created social change. It's created a change in attitude and it's a changed the way people operate in life. The people, and you look at it like footy, you've got someone sitting there with a membership, they pay $400 a year. And those people, a lot of the time now, would rather sit at home, watch the footy on TV and either have a home-cooked meal or have or Uber Eats or get takeaway, whatever it is, and enjoy it from the comfort of their home because two years of conditioning of not going to any live events, whether sport or music, has, has changed that. I think over time we'll continue to come out of this, but I think there might be a permanent psychological change that's taken place. Yeah, I think there's definitely different buying patterns and different living patterns has certainly been adapted or adopted, should I say. Yeah. And I think that has also moved across to cards. 
that people are doing things in different ways. Yeah. There's more options, there's more sure. choice, there's more availability. Yeah. That doesn't mean necessarily they're increasing print runs or there's more cards. People are just doing things differently. Yeah, and I, I would say, like when we're talking about expenditure and trading cards and has there been a slowdown in expenditure, I don't think the amount of money being circulated hasn't slowed down. It's no. how it's being spent. It's moved, it's evolved, it's being spent in different ways and it's being spent in a much broader way. But the overall, what we would call the liquidity pool, the money, the actual volume of money that's circulating around continues to grow because the rate of new people coming in exceeds the rate of people that are pulling out. Yep, and I think that's a good one too. Um, I also, again, you know, bringing it back to cards is that you look at people that perhaps were not able to get boxes or stock yep. in the past we're jumping in breaks or randoms or raffles or sales posts. Now with the improved distribution model of select, and don't get me wrong, we'll clip select plenty if they do wrong. But one thing they've really done well is SCC. Yep. And that has allowed, you know, a thousand collectors in the industry to instantly get stock. Yeah. Which there was never ever that guarantee before. Yeah. So instead of going and doing jumping into a sales post or doing something like that. They might have already had two boxes that they've opened, saved, done whatever. Yeah. And, you know, there's more boxes to buy, all those sorts of things, which is all good and growing, good for a growing ecology yeah. or ecosystem. But it, it's like, a, you know, it used to be day one of a release, someone would hit a particular card. One person would hit one particular card, yep. of which there was 30 people that all wanted that card. Yep. What's changed now is day one of a release, 10 people hit the same card. So there's a variety of options for the 30 buyers to buy. It's no longer sure. a 30 to one ratio or whatever the numbers may yep. be. It's 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 changed because it's coming out so so much earlier, but it doesn't, it, that doesn't then change the fundamentals that there's still the 30 people that want those cards. Yep. They're just acquiring them at a different speed which then impacts the day-to-day the, the -day valuation of a card. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing such significant fluctuations over time. And I also think too, to add to that or expand that is that because more people are getting their hands on stock, yeah. there's more people opening product, yeah. which we just talked about, yeah. more people running sales posts. Yeah. Once you multiply that out, not from a single card, but a whole release, suddenly there isn't that hyper demand to go and buy all the blues or all the greens because there is infinite sales posts. Yeah. You know, is that bad for the economy or the card economy? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, do people, are people not able to buy a box and flip it as quickly and make three X on their, their yeah. box? Possibly. But it doesn't mean the cards don't sell yeah. eventually. So just doubling back for the final time to what Andrew Peck did say, my position on this whole COVID thing, we've talked about it so many times before is, there was already a trading card boom starting to take place in 2018, 2019. Yep. COVID didn't create the boom. It just put a rocket up it and accelerated it. Yep. And AFL cards are a domestic market product with a very limited print. And it's fair to say a more limited audience. And as a result of that, what's happened in NBA and other international sports cards where there's been significant drops and major corrections haven't happened hasn't happened in AFL cards because it's we're, we're somewhat cushioned from those market forces because it's still so limited in print there we, we don't have a situation where there's 
forty thousand of a rookie card. Yep. that that is accessible. Everything is much more limited in quantity. Some of the chase cards from international product have the same print run as base cards from AFL. So people need to be mindful that although the doom and gloom picture does get painted, it doesn't necessarily apply to what we're talking and, about. And and look, don't get me wrong, there is definitely some people doing tough out there. There yeah. there is there is no question. Absolutely, there are people doing it tough. Sure. But, you know, it doesn't mean that there aren't new people coming into the ecosystem that aren't putting money into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we don't buy everything that we want to buy. Not everyone is in a position to buy what they want, but they don't need to be, you know. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. There you go, Marty Davis. Yeah. So, look, anyway, let, let's let's move on from that. But I think it's a very interesting, um, interesting observation about how much stock is being opened and i think this will be a trend that we will see moving forward whilst they continue to improve absolutely the distribution and market. i would say the number one driving factor that's impacting prices of afl cards at the moment is the speed and, and the 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 you know the way that the stock is being opened, the distribution channels and how sure. the cards are getting out there quickly. Yep. And at the end of the day, if that's bringing down prices in certain areas, well, the direct result is always going to be that it means more people are getting their hands on the cards. So that's, as well. let's, let's talk about more in real terms. Um, I got a question during the week from Graham Price, who I don't know if he's on the stream or not, but he brought up about the price of Spectrums. Now, Spectrums were insert in both Oh, in, in Footy Stars and Footy Stars yep, Jumbo. That's right. Um, I think one, two, three was in Footy Stars and four and five was Correct. in Jumbo. Yeah. Um, there was a delay, obviously, with them coming to the market and, or sorry, the, the redemption being available. Yeah. Um, and I presume that's just global logistics. But you have a look at that card now that it's been released. It is one of the best looking cards. They, look, they do look fantastic. And he posed the question of, are these cards actually underpriced? Or overpriced. Um, you've got one in front of you. So the four or five, I believe, is numbered to 125. I one in front of me, so I just dropped it on the floor. Good job. And the one, two, threes, I think, are numbered to 200, maybe. Um, are the I, one, two, threes numbered higher, aren't they? All numbered the same? No, I think they're, they're higher, aren't they? So there's the great man, of course. Yeah. So and that one's him yeah, up with another that, good photo. That, and that one's numbered to 125. Yep. But let's talk about these. So someone. A lot of people, when they try and figure out the valuation of cards, the first consideration is the numbering. Okay, what a card is numbered to? Well, we can go look at cards from other series that are numbered the same, and yep. bang, you get a valuation. In some in some ways, it works, but it only works if the amount of cards in that set is relative to the amount of cards in the set you're trying to compare it to. So a lot of people will say, well, okay, they should be valued the same as a blue parallel from Prestige because they're both numbered around the same amount. But that's not the case with cards like this because you can't hit these at the same frequency as sure. what you hit those blue cards. Those blue parallels come two or three in 24 packets. Yep. These are two per case. So they're essentially a case hit because they only represent a small amount of cards and players within the subset itself. It makes the cards a lot harder to actually get in hand yep. than what the numbering represents. And that's why they're worth so much more than what a similar card number to the same sort of quantity is. Because 
Yes, there's still 125 of each one, but your ability as an individual or your likeliness or your chances of getting one of those cards number to 125 is far less than what it is getting a different card that comes two or three per box to that numbering yep. because of how much stock it takes to open to get it. So that's the other real defining factor. Yeah, and I think if that card was actually not a redemption and in the packet, those would have gone for so much more money at the time. Yeah. I felt like at the time being a redemption, people kind of just got rid of it. You know what I mean? They weren't, they really weren't too interested in it. Yeah. So what weighed again, it's hard to say like every team is different and every player is different. I don't know what everyone is paying for all the different types of spectrums. I certainly managed to pick up quite a few of the St. Kilda ones around the $50, $60 mark which I think in, in the current market was, was market value when I at the time I was buying them. Do I think they're going to be worth a lot more in the future? Absolutely, because they're just going to be so hard to find. I think even the lesser teams will be right up around that $100 mark if then, you know, in, into the future. Sure. And a lot of teams are already at that point now. And, and Kevin made a comment, not when all the stock is open. This, the footy star stock is not all open. That's that's the thing. It's a series one release. You can still buy pockets and boxes and packets on Slick's website. But it'll never all get open because, no, of, of, course. The, because of the distribution model. Yeah, and there's so much of it. There's too. so much, and it gets sent yeah. out far and wide. And the reality is we all know kids have no idea what these cards are. And when their parents go to the service station or go to the supermarket and they buy their kids' packet of cards, yep. the parents have no understanding that there's going to be stuff that is worth more than the $3 they spent on the packet. Correct. So as a result, it's not being instilled in the children. The children have no idea unless someone that knows what they're talking about sees it and intervenes with what's going on. Yep. And for those who have, who have kids of school age and especially primary school age, I'm sure your children have come home and told you how one of their friends got ripped off with a gold card craft card or whatever it may be we obviously see it a lot more with team coach with the children and then you as a parent say oh no that's the problem because that's worth a lot of money i know personally i've intervened in children's transactions yep. that my kids have, have witnessed at school have you been ripping kids no off? but i've called parents to say hey i want you to know your child took a card that was worth 500 dollars to school today they wouldn't have realized that another kid now has it yeah. and they got back in return three shiny cards worth a dollar. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the penny starts to drop at that point. Look, there is some argument that, you know, kids are not worried about the, they're com not, the which comments is, of it. Which is, they, sh they, they should and they shouldn't be. Yeah. Because can I tell you, as someone who collected cards in the 80s and 90s as a kid, if I had protected and looked after all the things I had back then, I'd be one of these people you see with a huge collection of Jordan cards worth a million dollars and Shaq cards and Kobe and LeBron cards worth a fortune. But the thousands of dollars that my parents spent and I spent with pocket money or whatever it is when I was a little kid, most of those cards, I still have most of them in tubs. They're just all destroyed. Yep. They're, they're worthless, you know? And so I had the fun with them as a kid. I enjoyed that experience and that's what I was there to do. And that's what my parents wanted to happen. But it took, a, but the inability to, or, or the lack of foresight to, to protect those cards and look after them into the future meant that my fun that could have become an investment didn't. Yep. And, and I, I feel like now as someone who understands cards, I personally, like I have a responsibility 
not just amongst my own children, but I don't want to take the fun away from kids, but I want them to understand you can have fun and enjoy your cards now whilst also protecting them for the future too. Absolutely. Um, question, let's you know, pivot a little bit here. Glenn McInerney, the great man, how much are season footy stars worth compared to prestige due to the amount of production between the two series? So the SIGs in footy stars were numbered to 70. 60. 60. 60. Uh, 60, yep. <laughs> and the ones in prestige are numbered to 40. Uh, that's correct. Yep. Yep. But you will see more of the ones numbered to 40 will surface than the ones numbered to 60. I would argue the footy stars ones are rarer than the prestige ones purely based on the distribution model and yep. kids. And obviously the prestige ones, there's two cards. There's a, a current player and yep. a rookie yep. or an up and comer. Yep. Um, whereas I would argue the player selection in the footy stars ones yep. is probably better. Uh, absolutely. But because of prestige goes to the hobby, collectively between the networks, Facebook, eBay and otherwise, almost 100% of that product ends up in the hands of people that either collect it or put it into the secondary market. Whereas footy stars, it's only a small portion of it actually makes it to the secondary market yep. to begin with. So like we've always said about, Brown, like yep. we've said about Brownlow predictors and all that sort of stuff, yep. the cards from series one, after when you try and find them in the future, they're much harder to find than the cards from hobby releases. And for those people who do master set or team master set, and are doing all-time master sets where it dates back, let's say, if you're just doing select and it dates back to 93, I would be very surprised if you had 50 cards still to go in your set if more than half of them weren't Series 1 cards. Yep. And the inserts from Series 1, even before they numbered cards, that are just so hard to find now. Yeah, so I think, you know, it's not really an Apple's versus Apple's sort of conversation. Yeah, it's, that's right. It's, it's more it's, of an it's, Apples and Oranges situation. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move on from footy stars and prestige. Obviously, series two we think is coming very close. We've we've said multiple times on the podcast we suspect it's optimum. We yeah. don't know, um, but they generally do things in twos. Um, I saw Wade. I believe it was Wade asked the question before. If they continue to do the platinum draft picks again, the platinum DPSs, yeah. which is the draft class of last year with Correct. a signature. What would the Nick Dacos Platinum? So that'd be numbered to 40. It's a signature. What do you think that comes out in the market price-wise? Well, it's a really interesting situation. Obviously, speculation is is the big thing that's going on in footy cards and in memorabilia as well at the moment. Um, history will show, especially now, that draft pick signatures, rookie signature cards, become some of, if not the most sought after of a particular player. You could argue that Nick Dacos, no matter what cards come out in the future for him, his DPS card will be the, the, the hot, most highly regarded, highly chased, highly valued signature card that he would ever have until he reached Hall of Fame status or something like that. What about a supremacy card? Well, I still think the D DPSs, because people view them as the first of its of its type, like the first. See, of, I think that's I think the, that's, the, that's the, an adjustment. The, the, the first of its player, but and that's come across from NBA. It's very much come from NBA. Yeah, but I that, think that's a new. But thing, that's yeah. the trend at the moment, and we're seeing that trend become retrospective as well. Because 
I, I can tell you, like, the DPS players, I can only, only really speak a lot on the St Kilda cards. The DPS cost of the St Kilda cards from the early 2000s and mid-2000s have rocketed in price, rocketed in price compared to what they were two years ago. Okay, well, I'll give you an example. Yep. A dusty DPS, yep. you pick up for about $1,000 or $1,200. Yep. Pretty much every one of his other signatures is worth more. There you go. Whereas Sam Walsh, his DPS is now a thousand to twelve hundred dollar card. His franchise futures one thousand dollars. His franchise futures, I think, eight hundred around an eight. So the Footy Stars card. one of his is fifteen hundred. Is it? Well, there, there you go. So it's an interesting situation. The card numbering with the DPSs is a big factor here as well. Sure. And that's that's where we have to look. So you look at the Walsh DPS, which is a thousand twelve hundred dollar card. Yep. It's numbered to one hundred and seventy five. Yep. The dusty one is numbered to what, 400? 7 million, yeah. So, so the dusty number to 400. You're starting to now talk about platinum DPSs numbered to 40, gold ones numbered to 85. So the DPSs now are the shortest print. So if the Sam Walsh cut, if there was a variation of his DPS number to 40 or there was a dusty oh, number to 40, wow. that would be worth a lot more than what the franchise future SIG would be worth and a lot more what the other variations of SIG would be worth. So that's where the premium is actually on those DPSs. And that's where you've got the DPS premium coupled with the short print numbering yep. and how those combine together to create a price. So, so and if they cost DPS in the future, yeah. What's it going to open at? A platinum? What's it's open? going to open high. Like, surely that platinum Nick Dacos opens at 700 plus. More. Levels. Like, I'm saying up to 700. Could it, that could it be a $3,000 card in the future if he becomes the player that everyone thinks so? Maybe Who knows? And Colin uh, gets I, success. Yeah, Colin, and, yeah, that's right. I don't well, know. I use this as a reference. Essendon rookies from last year's Optimum came out, their platinums, at like seven or $800. And most of these guys were not known, yeah. weren't getting games. Yeah. Nick Dacos is already he's odds on to win the um, the Rising, the Rising Star. Star yeah. He's dominating games. He's got a cult following. I would, you know, that to me is an $800 or $1,000 card straight out of the gate. Yeah. I, I can't see how that's not going to be a big, big card. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I think Jamara probably, we saw the bench run. I think, I swear Jamara's are going for like a thousand bucks in yeah, those first couple crazy. of weeks of release. Yeah. He obviously hasn't performed to the right extent. And again, Nick already has the history to show that unless he has a, a debilitating. <laughs> please stop talking about yeah. Dacos Platinum DDS. Yeah. It's only going to be worth it. But unless he has a debilitating injury, that no matter. The, the, those cards are, uh, yeah, it's 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 cards of the future. Ra like. Rao was the first DPS that we saw come out hot on speculation. Rao, you know, at the time was $300, where all the other DPSs were 100 bucks. Yeah. So Solly's comment is a good one there. Uh, yeah. So it's well, an interesting one, Solly. Um, what does Solly say? For those who are just listening and not watching, three quarters of the Hawks Platinums with Duds can get burned with these cards easily. So I suppose the counter back to that, Solly, is unless team collecting and set collecting, because a lot of people who could collect any particular team, but they then do DPSs and historically do them every year in all of them, if as long as that culture of set collecting doesn't completely die out, at short print number to 40, it, it's just a race against time, regardless if they're a good player that ends up performing or not. Because at the end of the day, those are the cards that are impossible to complete your sets with. You know, again, without even looking at signatures, you come into the hobby tomorrow, and what's going to be some of the most difficult cards to find when you look back? It's going to be those cards numbered to 40 and 50 from Legacy, 
from certified, your things like your influentials, and albeit, yes, they're great players and stuff, but half those players have changed teams yep. as well since. But they're still impossible to get those cards because they were only numbered to 40. Yep. You've got to remember the card numbering thing, it doesn't kick in straight away. It takes time. It happens over time. Yep. So, but on the same time, we talk about, you know, marathon, sprint, all that kind of stuff. Sorry, Muddy Davis, I'm all over your cliches. Now. <laughs> um, but things like that, if Nick Dacos continues to go in the same trend that he's going in, those cards are never going to get any cheaper. And it's not even Nick Dacos. Let's look at Josh Gibkiss from Richmond. Yeah. Let's look at who's the guy that you like from Skill. Tom Highmore. The, yeah. No, but Wangalim. Oh, Wangalim Valera, who's going to be in the next league. This yeah. is a ripper for St. Kilda. Like, yeah, I mean, there's going to be think these guys are players. Yeah, that's, that's right. So I think that there is, you know, DPSs, you really want to pull one yourself. You don't want to be buying them. I mean, Richmond had five picks last year or this year or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to be a heap of DPS. We're going to hit, get hit like Collingwood did last year. Yeah. Um, you know, some of those cards, if they do them again, are going to be monsters. And I remember you used a term, I reckon a year ago, that those platinum DPSs are effectively like an influential that's signed. Yeah, from the player's first year for the ones that come through. Yeah, but yes, in terms of like the, the, the capability to hit one and the rarity, that's absolutely what they are. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head here. I'm going to be very surprised if from this day forward, if you find a platinum DPS sell for less in the future than what they are today, I'm going to be very surprised regardless of the player. Agree. I don't I, I don't see how that any of those cards can sell for less than what they currently are or have been unless there's some sort of anomaly taking place like a fire sale or whatever it is. For sure. But from in general terms, they just can't go backwards. And I think we've seen the same with those rookies number to 25. People absolutely underestimated those things. People sold them off based on how much they were paying for the boxes, not based on the short print aspect yep. of them. And I think there's a bunch of people regretting now not picking up their number to 25 rookie cards for 100 or $150 when they had the chance to. For sure. And just before we moved on, Justin just made a comment. I would love a selected or a rising star predictor card each year, highest draft pick and wild for each club. So, Justin... I love the rising star predictor idea. No, well, I don't think it'll ever work Why? because it's not a stats-based award. Right. It's like a goal of the year or mark of the year. Okay. They're voted it's either by a voted. panel or okay. by public. So, there's just... I just can't see them doing it. Not saying that they won't, but to me, I feel like that's a card that they probably wouldn't do. Anyway, let's move on. Hopefully we... Sorry, gold headliners to 25. That's a good one. Oh, Sammy yeah. Martin. What about gold? And we talked about that extensively at the time. We said that we thought that gold headliners, due to the 25 numbering, they were undervalued against the rest of the market. And we thought at the time it was almost a waste of a card number to 25 because how do you compare that to a supremacy booklet or a premiership brown low double yep. or a, even a, a future force green number to 25? It's really, to me, things number to 25 and take outside of the supremacy rookie, it needs to be kept for, for something that's super duper, a signature or but, something physically, a patch or whatever it may be. As, that's my opinion. But as we've spoken about with supremacy rookie 25, you know, good luck finding those of star players in two, three, four years' time. Yeah. They're just... the the. 
the master set collectors, the team master set collectors that are still doing absolutely. it, they, they are going to be so yeah, hard to find. Absolutely. So the price doesn't always reflect. And I know the lesser team from the lesser players, you can still pick them up for three, four, five hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, but you know, good luck picking up like well, Dusty's look, or I obviously get, I get offered a lot of St. Kilda cards. Everyone knows not only do I get tagged in a lot of posts, I get offered privately a lot of cards. Yep. It's been oh, I, I don't think I've been offered a gold headline hasn't been flashed to me this year. Yeah, okay. Like at all. I just don't even think they're out there. Yeah. They're actually not even out there. And that, I've only got two of the Jack Steele ones as well out of the, the 25. I've only got one Dusty. And it's they're, they're just not there. They're already locked away in collections, I think, for the most part. All right. So hopefully Series 2, again, we might have just been having a completely useless conversation for 15 minutes and it's not optimum. It could be janks series two yeah um but we will find out hopefully in the coming weeks or months yeah um, so traditionally this is around the time where we start to hear whispers i suppose yeah it's only around august Do you know what's interesting this year it's fair to say no even when we weren't involved in podcasting and weren't involved in retail and stuff yep. everyone used to hear whispers about when releases are coming out and start to hear things we've heard nothing at this point yeah and that's what's really interesting right now. And AJ and I have talked, and we've talked to a few people who've come through the store and other people as well about this. It's very strange. There is no talk of Series 2 at the moment. Yep. And we don't know why, because it feels like we're at a point where people are we're done with, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of, of the, the big prestige chasers. We, you know, everyone's geared up, ready to go. Why isn't there any whispers about Series 2 yet? Sure. None of the guys that I know who are in the know know anything. We've yep. got no And you own the business. That's right. And, you know, of course, the rumours that I own the business, well, I've got no information on Series 2 either. All I'm going to say is I hope they're doing Optimum again. Yep. I loved it. I like the idea of doing Series 2, two at a time, Series 2s in 2s, yep. where, you, you know, you have two at a time. It disappointed me that they didn't do Legacy again. Would have, I would have loved to have seen Legacy again in 2019, and then they could have had dominance in 2020, 2021, whatever. whatever. Whatever it is, hopefully they do Optimum again. Will they do Optimum again? Who knows? So there's been plenty of surprises the last couple of years. So, so obviously we pivot to, and there's, you know, we'll certainly say that there is a tiny little bit of shameless plugging in this next segment, but yeah. it won't be too much more. We want to talk generally repacks are the buzzword at the moment well, in the industry and i would say it's the, if there was a physical elephant sitting in this room right now representing all the people who are watching the stream a black now, elephant yeah 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 that's right yep the elephant is in the room so repacks have obviously been the buzzword as i said over the last couple of weeks um there's been a few of the breakers that have been doing repacks for a while the second edition of the Cherry Pie was released. The, the AFL, Cherry, AFL Pie. Cherry Pie. They've obviously done it for other sports, which has been incredibly successful. And that's brought re repacks right to the, yep. to the front of everyone's minds again. There's been some serious conversations taking place the last couple yeah. of days. And obviously, people certainly noticed that AJ and I were very quiet in the threads that have taken place overnight. And that was on the basis that well, we obviously knew the podcast was coming what's the point of getting involved in the discussion and the debate on a thread yesterday yep. when we can talk about it with you guys in real time and we can actually express it properly. So to explain a repack for people that have been living under a rock, um, a, a business such as ourselves um, or Cherry will have cards that they've bought from collections or that they've opened. They will package it together 
and you will buy for a nominated fee and receive a card. There are some amazing cards, yeah. and then there are some not so amazing cards. Yeah. There's been some great math explained over the last couple of days. Yeah. That for every one really good card, you need to have six or seven well, not so good cards. Let's absolutely break this down in layman's sure. terms here and talk about the really basic economics behind it. And it's not just with repacks, it's with any type of product and it could be in any type of industry or sector as well. But let's look at it this way. And you know what? There's a there's a bunch of different ways that people who put repacks together, they do build them in different ways, but fundamentally it all comes down to a situation where there is a budget, there is an amount of money, what someone pays per unit is reflective of what it actually costs to put it together yeah. and what that the, the market value on that given day is when the product is released of the cards that are found inside because the cards need to be acquired. So let's, for example, we will use the RGV Black Repack as an example, sure. which is going on sale tomorrow, of course, at 12.30. There you go, AJ. Commercial guys will be happy. Yep. But let's talk about it, for example. We have talked about repacks for a couple of years. We actually built one almost two years ago. We built the full spreadsheets. A repack isn't just a situation where you go find a tub of cards and put them on a table and go, sweet, here's our repack, awesome. This is what we're doing. That's not how it works. Things have to be done properly. You have to build spreadsheets. We put formulas in it and it starts to tell us how things could be allocated. Where are the value thresholds? How does this work? We started on it a couple of years ago. We put it on ice for a little while and then we've obviously brought it right back and now we're coming to the first release of our repack. We always wanted to be able to do something that was affordable but could also present quality at the top end. We came to a, a conclusion that we thought $99 was a really good price point yep. and that would give us the ability to present value. Now, to be completely honest with you guys, when we initially planned this, we only wanted to do 200 units of a repack at $99. But when we started looking at the quality of cards that we'd been acquiring off we other people, to big things, we big wanted things. to put in big things. And then we put, so we put all these big things together and then realize that in order to put the big things in, well, there has to be some other things, some medium things and some lower things that enable it to stack up. And as a result, it's pushed out the amount of units. What it hasn't done, it hasn't diluted the quality of what's coming out. It doesn't mean the quality gets any less. It means we have to change how we do the spread in the product yep. in order to create value at all different levels. So think about it like this, guys. There's 400 RGV black repacks. They're $99 a repack. The total price and the total money pool is reflective of those cards if they were to sell as singles on a daily basis. And I'm not talking about overinflated eBay prices. I'm talking about the real genuine price taking into account service fees, inside charges, GST, all these sorts of things as well. So it's pretty easy to do the maths. $99, let's just round that up. We'll call it $100, 400 units. That's $40,000. It means in order for us to deliver at that price point, we have $40,000 to play with. If we go put a card in that costs $5,000, that means there's $35,000 left for 399 remaining cards. If all of a sudden we go and put in another 10 cards that are worth $1,000 each, well, we then, that's $15,000 used up only on 11 cards, which gives us a balance of $25,000 
to spend across another 385 cards. So as a result of that, there can never be, you can't buy something for $100 and expect that you every single time you're gonna get $100 back. Because if that was the case, then there would be no $1,000 cards or $5,000 cards or even $105 cards. Every card would have to be valued only at $100. That's not exciting. That doesn't pique people's interest. This is like, it's no different to going in breaks or other forms of cards and other forms of collecting or card procurement or card acquisition. There has to be a spread in there. What we're trying to do with what we're doing, and hopefully people will see it over the coming days as they order and they receive them, is create a really good value spread where the mid-range and the low-range are still quality and we can deliver the high-range cards at a really good level. So Bradley Stone has just asked a question. So could you get a card worth less than $99? Yes, that is exactly what we are saying here. It is impossible to create a product where every card is worth the RRP of the packaging, it will not work out. The economics, it, it just, it doesn't work that way. It can't work that way. So what we're trying to do is look at how everyone else has done their repacks, look at ourselves as customers of other people's repacks and trying to make it the most fair and equitable that we possibly can. That is the fundamental description of how a repack actually works. And we tried to, and again, look, Cherry has obviously put themselves out there and I commend Dale and his team. You know, it's a thankless task doing a repack because everyone that buys a repack wants to hit one of the super big cards. Yeah. But the reality is 80% or 90% of the people are not going to hit those cards. Yeah. So the same as when you buy a box or if you go on a break or something like that, you know, there is always that chance that you're going to hit 50x the buy-in. Yeah. But there's also a fairly good chance that you're going to hit 30 to 50% of your buy-in. So, you know, we had a plan that we wanted to make sure that not getting too caught up on teams or players, we wanted it to be at least a box hit from a series to, uh, a, like a prestige so, or- And, and you're, you know, you're, you're directly yeah. answering, and obviously, Steve, we're gonna be a bit careful here because we don't want to, we can't put out every bit of information, but we also wanna be as transparent as possible with you guys when you're asking these questions too. I can tell you, I'm not gonna tell you what the individual cards are, but in the RGV Black Repack, for example, the lowest level cards in the release are hobby release box hits. Yeah. There is nothing below a one per box hit. So the best card, the best type of set that you can get out of the box is the lowest type of card in this release. And they're all numbered cards. They're all numbered cards. Everything's yeah. numbered and everything's reflected in that way. Again, what we've tried to do is make it as equitable as possible so that the percentages, so it's not going to be 90% of people get a shit card and 10% get a good one. That's not how we're set up. Our percentages are far greater and much more and more spread across each of the price levels. So more people will hit big cards, more people who will hit medium cards, and equivalent people will also hit low-end cards. And as I'll, well. I'll use an analogy, and I actually saw Sean Laffin mention this the other night on a thread. It's like when you buy a box of cards. 
we're all trying to hit a case hit or a case insert. Yeah. And if the box is worth $100, you might get back $50 worth of cards, $20 worth of cards, yeah. $300 worth of yeah. cards. Yes, there's a checklist, and I know it's slightly different. I'm just trying to give a little bit of analogy, but we don't buy every box or every packet expecting to get 100% of the value back. If yeah. you do, fantastic. Yeah. Repacks aren't for everybody, and Absolutely. Peter just said that. So, so there's a couple of good comments here I want to address, yeah, sure. and I actually do want to address them. Do you want me to put anything on the screen? Yeah, I don't want people to think that we're trying to skip them on purpose. Just sure. go back up a little bit there. So, so Glenn McInerney. Yeah, good one. Absolutely valid. Let me read it out. But where it comes to just where it comes to, so it should, it should is, be when I think is oh, a bit of a type. So when it comes to justifying, what is justifying see. what you see, what cards are value there. Yep. So exactly right, Lenny. So different people can have a determination of what they think something is worth, and this is something that we face every day in terms of all our card businesses. And the first thing we're involved in, where we have to determine value of cards, which of course. RGB randomly generated victories, which was the big the, the big raffle page that we have, the raffle system, right? And we always said that we devised a process and a way to determine what we thought was market value. But the key to what we were doing was it was always apples and apples and no apples and oranges. So the same card, the same process gets run through for every type of card to determine what, what we think is a transparent way to achieve true market value. We apply the same thing across the board within our other parts of our business, and, and that is reflected in the valuation. That's why I say, if a card's listed for $120 on eBay, it's not comped as $120 within a repack. It's comped at what they're actually genuinely selling at and takes into account the other factors Can as we well. do that one? Absolutely. Yep, I'll just read it. George, just with the booklets in repacks, how are they randomized given they're obviously larger size cards? So what we've decided to do, George... Actually, I've got my, my sample one Yeah, now. so what we've decided to do, George, is AJ's created a sample one. This is not the real one. The yep. real one's already in the packs, obviously. But this is an example of what we've done. To avoid people weighing packages or trying to search packages or get any sort of edge or advantage, what we have done is taken a 130 point spacer. We have put a special sticker on it, and it also then has an additional code that's hidden when you away. When you open when it you, up, which you only get when you open it because it opens out and there's something in there. But what it does is it ensures the weight is at the same level as other supremacy cards would be. So if someone wants to go down the path in, in RGV black of trying to weigh them to deter to see if they can get the heavier ones and get the big hits. Well, you're going to be bitterly disappointed nine times out of ten because you're going to open it up and instead of having what what you think is going to be a booklet, it may actually be a supremacy base card or it could be a premiership glory or it could be a goal-kicking great signature or a yep. momentous moments, whatever it is. So what we've tried to do again, we've taken the learnings from what other people have done. We are repack customers ourselves. We buy other people's repacks. We buy into people's breaks. We buy boxes. We do everything can, can that I, you guys do as well. James, can I just we say, want it to be we're, better we're for not, everyone. We're, we're not, not bagging anyone. We're not bagging at anyone else's. It's like, just our preference. Of, it. It's yeah. our preference of how we want to do it and how we would like to see our product out there. So to answer simply, the booklets are not inside the packages. There is a redemption inside the package. Yeah. You will redeem those booklets with us and you will receive those packages via express post if you're one of the lucky people to get it. So this question has come up a few times and I'll probably answer this because Jenks 
might not know, will you be breaking your own repack? Now, initially we thought that we would allocate a certain amount, but again, for transparency, we made a decision yesterday that we will not be re breaking our repack. We don't, we don't want to open the door that we're for holding stock and criticism yep. or innuendo that we are doing any form of manipulation or deception to benefit our own breaks. So as a result, we all 400 units are into the retail marketplace. We will retain a handful for our in-store customers, but we have definitively decided and made the, the active decision yesterday, RGB breaks will not be breaking our own repacks. We think the break value is immense. And there, and are, our, and there are breakers yeah, that have contacted our, our us for stock. Our expectation is yep. that a lot of these other breakers will probably be picking up this stock and they will be breaking it. And we certainly have no control over the price points they break and people can do absolutely what they want. Yep. But it is certainly going to be a product that if we were to break it, it would be very beneficial to our breaks business. But the, in the interest of transparency and not having to answer and deal with accusations about manipulation, we will not be breaking our own repacks. And is it something we do in the future? Maybe we'll cross that bridge when yep. we come to it. But what we're doing here, we, we don't we don't want to be a party to that. We are trying to keep this as clean and transparent as possible to the extent, I'm not going to say who, but we did have a store customer in today who had a day off work. He was in our store this morning. He could see our production line taking place out the back. We invited him out the back of the, in our warehouse to inspect everything that was taking place to make sure that there was a third party involved in looking at the process that could see there's no form of structure or manipulation on anything taking place in terms of packaging. It is completely 100% randomized. In the end, that person stuck around for an additional four hours and we actually paid them to work. Actually we were, helped us put we, we, were short, we were shorthanded <laughs> and they helped pack the repacks. Okay. So th that th it, it's, it doesn't get more transparent than yeah. this. We are trying to employ best practice at every section of the line here to make sure that everything is fair. There's no favoritism. There's no rigging. There's no deception. People are going to place orders. Repacks will be plucked off a pellet and they will be sent out via a huge dispatch that goes to Australia Post. Yeah, that's that's and that's it. That's so how it works. and again, we're not trying to preach to you or sell. And again, there's no judgment on how other people do it. There's some really good operators in yeah. this business. And you know, sorry, I'm not smiling myself. I'm just laughing at Steve Matthews' comment. Uh, what did he say? If no you can some of our operators, our um, operators. So, Sammy, just to answer your question. No, there's no limits. It's first in best dress tomorrow. We will put them all online. And, and look, we don't know what's going to happen. Yep. This could take six months to sell out. It could sell out really quickly. All I'm going to say is we've given everyone a week's worth of notice, basically. Yep. We're continuing to give everyone notice. If you want to be involved, don't log on late. If you want to be involved, it's 12.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time tomorrow. It could go really fast. If it goes really fast, people will miss out. We cannot do anything about it. All we can do is tell you we are putting 400 units in the market. There's 400 units created. You guys have seen the videos. You have a very good idea of what's in it on the top end. You can see very large piles of cards, signature cards and stuff. So you can see what's in the mid and the low end as well. Yep. Short of giving you a checklist, 
I don't really think there's much more that we can do. And at this stage, we don't think it's reasonable to have had to put a full checklist to market. You know, I, I did see it somewhere before. The the boxes are not numbered. I mean, I could probably grab one. No, Mr. Stone, you're not buying pack number one. It's all quantity based. There is no numbering. Yep. In order, again, for the for, for best practice. Can I, just, can I get one? Go get one. Yeah. So for best practice, we thought that again, if if things are numbered, we will be accused of manipulation at some point. We don't want that. We don't want those accusations. We don't want people thinking it's even possible. As a result, nothing is numbered. If I could take the camera from here now out the back, I could show you guys a mountain of these repacks and you would look at it and go, yes, there is absolutely no way these guys could have any idea what the hell is where because look at the pile. AJ's just brought in a couple from out the back. So they, they come in a black box. They've got two security and void stickers. So there. those security labels, when you peel them off, like the cherry pies, straight up, we stole the idea of that sticker from Cherry, from Dale. Yep. Good idea, Thank Dale. you very much. Great yep. idea. We, when we saw that last year, we were like, this is fantastic. This is tamper-proof. So it's got two seals on each box. If you take them off, not only does it tear the material of the box, but it leaves a void marking behind. Inside the box, we're obviously not going to open it. You no. want to open it? No. No, we're not going to open it. We're not going to open one. Inside this box is a small size black padded mailer that is from a supplier, which is people don't just have these black padded mailers, especially at this size hanging around. And inside of that is an encased card, which of course has an RGB sticker on the top of it and there's, as well. There's no numbers. There's, there's no, no markings. Numbers, there's no markings. There's nothing on it. It's as clean as it's going to be. And again, these will go straight back into the mountain that there is. And the, tomorrow, as the orders come through, the things will start to get packed into, into mailers and then it gets all dispatched off in a bulk amount to Australia Post. Um, the, the only boxes that look a little bit different. Yeah, the there's, Minx. There's about half a dozen where Minx decided to Minx put isn't the just sticker is it, is it, the Minx isn't just colorblind. See, we were all about making everything perfect, everything yeah. nice. So we made sure we put the black sticker was on the same side that the security steels are on security seals are on then the minx late in the day came and made a contribution and then we looked at his pile and we said minx why is the sticker on this side now people are going to say it's rigged the ones with the sticker on that side must be the no, special you just know that minx i'll give you the hot tip ones. guys yeah. if you end up buying a few of them and the stickers a different way around it doesn't mean anything yeah. <laughs> that's so, the repack who has questions so we're more than happy to answer again there's no there's no numbers on the boxes there's no identifiers whatsoever because Again, we're trying to be as transparent as possible. Are there going to be some people that are annoyed that they didn't hit a booklet? Absolutely. Are there going to be some people tomorrow that are thrilled that they've just picked up a two, three, four, five thousand dollar card for a hundred bucks? Absolutely. Are there going to be a lot of people that are going to get back their money? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, are there going to be some people that aren't going to get all their money back? Absolutely. Yeah. But in four hundred boomings, boom. Yeah, um, there he is. There's the there's great Dale. Man, Dale. And look, a big hey, yeah, big it, shout out to Dale. Yeah, can I say like big copying it? Like. Yeah, Dale has been copying. He does works really hard on his repack and has done it for a whole heap of um, different genres: NFL, NBA, and AFL. You know, Dale. You know, is at the front line of the abuse of Cherry, and we've yeah. got no skin in the game with this Cherry. This is the first time we've done it. We had a bit of a learning curve the last three days. What's it's involved? Hard work. The physical aspects of putting together 400 repacks. This guy's gone and put together a thousand. Rewind back this podcast 20 minutes and you'll understand the concept. The more repacks there are, 
well, the more the more product spread there has to be. So yes, people will continue to complain about their hits. Are some of the hits ideal? Not in everyone's mind. It's just the way it goes though. And that's the risk that people take when they buy into it. There are no guarantees. There's no guarantees about the value of the card. There's no guarantees on what you're going to hit. What is guaranteed is what you have the chance to hit. So just to tick off a couple of questions, but Dale, well done. And obviously, you know, everyone loves to hate you, but we still- And usually they we, love to hate us and it's nice for it's a nice to have a, a few days off. Yeah, it's yeah. nice for a change for people to hate on you and not just hate on us. So we'll okay. join in for a little bit. Um, so just like fast breaks, but yeah, so fast breaks do a boom box, slightly different. They've got two cards and two they- Two cards and it's a bit of, you know, it's a higher price point product and certainly- They do it for their breaks. And look, let's be honest, the quality of our boxes- and the quality of the cherry pie physical boxes is nowhere near the quality oh, the of box the, the boom boxes amazing. are. Yeah. Um, can I buy two of them open live on stream? No burn, because again, just transparency. We don't want to be thought that people are going to be, we're taking so no, but Bernie, if you wanted to, you could buy two and you could come into the store and open them. Yeah, but you want some live. No, yeah, we, we can't no, do a live. Doing, everything's getting shipped out. Yeah, we want we, we um, want to make sure it all hits customers. Is $99 shipping included? No shame. We've got flat $10 shipping. So if you buy one, it's $10. If you, if buy, you buy 100 it's, it's still $10. only costing you $10 and we will wear the additional cost of the postage. Yep. So on our website, it's just set up in a way where everything is just $10 flat price shipping, no matter how much you actually order. Yeah, and you can get $15 express, but um, yeah, yeah $10. But shipping. yeah, it's not per unit shipping. It's no matter how much you order, it'll be the same price for that entire uh, package. Bust these out. two for the fellas that want to know. We're sending them out yep. again, sending, Daniel. Yep. Don't get us in trouble. Yep. We're trying to be... Um, just something here, Lee, look, Lee's comment here, because obviously we want to be good and bad here. It's sad to an extent that repacks have reached the point of having to reinvent the wheel. Surely collectors are educated enough by now. Lee, it's not an issue of education. Some people like the thrill of opening boxes. Some people like the thrill of going in breaks or raffles or whatever it is. Different courses for different horses. I, I definitely think Lee's looking at this, the approach yeah. that people should know what they're buying into. Sure. And look, you know, as, as they say, customers should always be aware, no matter if you're in a clothing store or what it is, you should do your own research. As I say, do your own research. Thanks, and, we're, and we've always said it. We've always said it for everything that we do. Do your own research first. Work out if it's for you. Is it the right thing? Are you happy with the equity spread in something? Is it something you want to be a part of? No one forces anyone to do anything. There's always going to be happy people and unhappy people, whether it's a repack, a break, a box of cards, a packet of cards, a raffle, whatever it is, there's always going to be a big mixture of emotion. It is what it is. And we certainly, as now people who not just in the past have bought other people's repacks, now producing our own one, we know what's coming. We know what to expect, but we also know what we've put into this thing. And we know that, yeah, there will be some people that won't be happy with the cards they get, but we certainly know as well there's going to be a lot of people that are really, really happy and there's some amazing cards in this release. And we've done everything we can to make it as good as possible and as good value as possible within the budget and the time constraints that we have here. Yep. And hopefully you guys love it and hopefully that enables us to be able to do it again. Yep. And again, go out there, have a look what else is around, we are not reinventing the wheel. This is nothing new. It's just for us, it's something new. Yep. And we hope you enjoy it. And if yep. you don't enjoy it, winch to Dale. Yeah.
because it's Dale's fault. He created it. No, the Daniel Ricardo signature is not in one of the boxes, no. unfortunately. Wado. Will would love to do a Formula One black box, but we'll see what happens. So enough on the repacks. Yep. It is starting to get a bit late. We were going for a while. I think you're going to finish this off in a minute with your favourite segment. Yes, I am. Um, okay, cool. Let me just address something. Look, there's been a few questions popped up about, and I'll answer this, um, yeah. about the draft prospects reprint things that sort of got announced today look um different courses for different horses it's interesting that they've done a one of one don't really want to rehash it i think um it is what it is but yeah look and we're not too look, we've been pretty bogged down the last couple yeah, of we days saw the video we're but... not fully across and we obviously saw the video today the question was asked earlier and daniel was obviously mentioned it a few times daniel ramage has yeah. brought it up a few times we just don't about, know enough about licensing related stuff we know that there was obviously issues in the past with the draft prospects release um back in i think it was 2011 2012 yep. 2012 there was a draft prospects release fantastic release it unfortunately didn't continue um from what we're led to believe due to some licensing issues that may have taken place do those still exist we just don't know we don't know and we haven't had the chance to engage with any parties at this stage we will take your questions on notice, Daniel. And, and we certainly haven't been reached out to to, yeah. to talk about it that, or know right. more about it. So that's right. And it's not so, really for us to that's talk That's right. About. But we'll take your questions on notice and we'll see if we can do a bit more research into it prior to the to the next podcast. All right. We'll talk about it is more. getting late. Uh, Aaron 22 in. Our favourite favorite segment, Unicorn Hunting. We are still on the hunt for last show's Unicorn, which is a Trent Cochin captain signature which reminds me I haven't updated that on the website. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Wow. This week's, let me find my details, is from 2021 Supremacy. So not that long ago, we are looking for a Sid Jackson Premiership Glory signature. Yeah. Now these are numbered to 40. Sid is a Carlton player. The person that has asked for this card um, is unable to find it and they're getting close to completing their team master set. If you have a Sid Jackson Premiership Glory signature and you would like to <coughs> help this hunter out, they would appreciate it. So they get in touch with us here at Card Authority or me or Jenks separately, and we will do what we can to try to connect you guys together yep. and hopefully land a unicorn. So 2021 Supremacy Sid Jackson signature, Premiership Glory. Absolutely. So on that note, folks, it's been a very long episode and it's always fun and we love the engagement with you guys of course in the comments and it, it gives us more to be able to talk about and we'd love to see more we of love this. the feedback yeah we'd love to see yep. more of this continue to happen as well it's fantastic stuff we need the feedback we need these discussion points we need this conversation and we love to hear other people's views and obviously when it comes to our own stuff we like to be able to answer your questions because we don't want there to be that ambiguity out there. Yes, so Luke, the there is. There is a list of unicorn cards. Uh, it is on cardauthority.com.au. Yeah, they're up on the website. You can just I, click over the image and it'll come up with the details. I do need to update a few of them. But yeah, all so the someone shows... did ask a question just before I, I saw it. Well. Justin Cranston about store pickup. Yes, on the website, there will be uh, like... Uh, oh, no, no, there is no need Okay, so there's no... Because it's all going out through Australia Post. Oh, it's going to go through Australia Post dispatch. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. So there'll be no store pickup for the blacks. Everything is getting shipped out. Anything that gets purchased through the website will go into the shipping system. Yep. And uh, will be shipped out Monday the latest. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you very much, Jenks. You've been great. Fantastic beanie, bro. 
Mate, as I said, no fair weather support for the Saners here. I'm with them through and through. Let's go, Saints. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. And thanks, as always, for your feedback and your discussion.